No, no. Ready? Yeah. Are you, are you ready for this? Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay. I. Let me pray for Zach, and then we'll get started. Yes. Okay. Lord, bless him. May uh, everything that he says be from your mouth, uh, and that uh, Holy Spirit that you would speak directly through him, and that you would speak exactly what you want to your people. Anybody in the dark. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Good lunch. That's not what I was supposed to start with. Um, we're reading John 10. So if you... So good. Good, good, good graphic. John 10. Um, big statement. You are more deeply loved than you could ever possibly dream or imagine. I'm going to lay out the agenda for the night, like pretty clearly, so that you trust me. <laughs> My goal for the night is to convince you of just how much you're loved by God. And uh, I don't think we actually know this, and I'll talk about that. Uh, but we're talking about Jesus as the Good Shepherd, which includes, like kind of grouped in with that, is hearing his voice and knowing how much he loves you. My dream for you individually but also Alabaster as a group, and then Encounter Church as a group, and then just Big C Church, the Bride of Christ, as a people. I want to be people and persons who hear the voice of God and act like they know how much God loves them. Know and act like they know. Um, yeah, and this is kind of like, I'm going to be convincing you guys. Like, I'm making an argument. I'm proposing something. I'm sharing information in hopes that you can receive it. Uh, but in order to do that, I want to address a couple like housekeeping things. The first being our worldview, uh, our perception of reality, whatever you want to call it. It's like our natural inclination to view things, to assume things, to question life, to question people. And like when we're kids, we are, like, most of our worldview is to keep us safe. We learn that, like, if I ask this question, this happens. If I say this thing, it gets me in trouble for this. If I do this, this happens. And so we create, like, this way of life, this way of being. Um, and it's helpful to keep us safe as children, but I would suggest that it may be time to reevaluate because it might not be helpful for the rest of your life. It might not always be the right questions to ask. And that's what I want to talk about is the right question to ask. Our generation, uh, well, tonight, the right question to ask tonight. Our generation is obsessed with the question, is this true? Kind of the whole world, right? I mean, like, we have more access to true information and false information than anyone else has ever had it in the entire world. Like, this generation is fed the most information of any generation before us. 
and we're advertised to the most, right? Like how many, I think it's like, you see thousands of advertisements a day. I, I can't remember the exact statistic, but it's something along the lines of like, in a mid-sized city like Centennial, you see 14,000 advertisements a day. Especially, and then, and then add in like social media and you're like, okay, you get a lot of, so it's a good question to ask. Like, it's good to ask, is this true? You know, and I think the whole world is obsessed with it. But tonight, because I've laid out clearly what I'm trying to do, I'm proposing that there's a better question for you to ask as you're hearing me speak. Uh, I think the better question is not, is this true? But instead ask, if this is true, what does it mean for me? If this is true, what does it mean to me? Okay, and with that said, I'm going to read John 10. I'm going to read the entirety of it. It's kind of a lot. Buckle up. I'll do my best not to stutter. <laughs> Here we go. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the doors but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will, he will be saved and will go in and out of the pasture to find, and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold, I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? I think that's a good argument. I like the, I like the second point a little bit better. Uh, fair, fair argument. There's a lot to talk about in here. Um, and we'll address a lot of things. And we'll not address a lot of other things. But... And this isn't in my notes. I'm just going to say it. Um, we don't have sheep or shepherds here, like, in this culture. I mean, I don't know if they have them in, like, Norway or something. Like, <laughs> I don't know who has sheep and shepherd. We do not. Like, Americans, I don't, I don't think Americans have sheep and shepherds, right? So we don't really understand the dynamic that they're talking about here. But to the people that Jesus was speaking to, this was very familiar to them. They, they grew up hearing stories about King David being a shepherd. And so... Um, 
Maybe they were like outcast. Maybe like everyone had a soft spot for them. Who's to say? I mean, they were dirty and they were like pretty far out there. So, um, and not only that, but uh, Psalm 23, one of the most famous Psalms ever, talks about the sheep. And so this is Jesus saying like, you've heard this song, you've heard this Psalm, you've heard, you've heard all this before. And I am telling you, I am the shepherd. And so, um, they, they would have recognized this as him saying, I am the Messiah. And after this, they like try to kill him and it's a whole mess, right? So like, you know, but moving on, I want to talk about verse nine. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. I feel like that's uh, kind of offensive to our culture. I mean, I feel like I know people, I work with people, not here. But that would be offended by the idea that Jesus is the only way. That no one comes to the Father except through him. That he's the way, the truth, and life. Right? I mean, that's like an offensive idea. We live in a very, like, tolerant society. Society tells us um, uh, more choices equals more freedom. There's many ways to find God. There's many ways to do life with God once you find him. There's probably many gods, and you kind of have to figure that out for yourself. And once you do, make sure you're tolerant of the way that everyone else has figured it out, or else you're hateful, you're wrong, you're un unaccepting, all this stuff, right? Like, we get the message. We all know about this fake tolerance, kind of. I mean, it's fake. It is fake tolerance. <laughs> and I mean, like, this tolerance, it, it's not helpful. It's not fruitful. It's actually destructive and anxiety-inducing. Like, we are <clears throat> fed the most information. We are also the most anxious generation. And the younger you are in America, probably the more anxious you are. Because the more, like, in, enveloped in this idea it, you are, you know? And so, like, this is a very anxiety-inducing idea. And, uh, yeah, I mean, has anyone heard the stats lately? Like, does anyone know, like, the depression, anxiety, suicide, all that stuff? It's, it's high. I don't, I don't even, I don't have them written down. I don't think I need to. I think we know. This passage and, and the rest of the biblical narrative, uh, like, through the whole Bible, uh, offers one idea, that Jesus is the only way, that there is no other way to the Father except through him. And that's offensive. <laughs> does anyone actually feel like they know what they're doing? Like, does anyone in this room think they have it figured out? Give a little. <laughs> Do me a favor. Check your pulse. If you have, like, a heart beating in your chest, you probably don't have it figured out. You're probably not there yet. And <clears throat> if you think you are, give it a couple Give it a couple years, you'll you'll find out that you're not. Yeah. 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 You'll figure it out. We all want to be more guided in life. We all actually want less choices, and that is more freedom. So maybe we weren't meant to like hodgepodge our own religion, like our own spirituality stew, and say like, 
oh, well, I really like this Bible verse. And so I'm going to throw that in there. And then I really like the ideas that uh, crystals will help me <laughs> uh, be more mentally healthy. And uh, I get really lonely sometimes, so I'll medicate that with porn. <clears throat> Sorry. And then, oh, and then on Sundays, we'll add Jesus in, sing a couple songs, and uh, go on our way. But what if there was really only one way? What if he actually was the good shepherd? What if the only way was a person, and he's a person who loves you and who's absolutely obsessed with you? We'll talk about that in a second. Um, <laughs> the first thing I did when I turned 18 was buy scratch tickets. You can't buy uh, anything else anymore when you turn 18, so scratch tickets it is. And uh, I like to buy them on road trips. It's kind of like a tradition. Like I've been buying scratch tickets on road trips since I was a kid because it's fun to scratch them in the hotel room and then you kind of plan it out. It's, it's a whole thing. Um, I like the lotto, you know, gambling in general. Ask Lex. We talk about it all the time. <laughs> I think I like it because uh, I like the idea, like I like to think about what life would be like if it just went my way. Like if I just got what I wanted, how, how would it go? You know, the lotto is up. Powerball, anyone, is up to uh, 175 million right now. So that's not that much for Powerball, but that's, uh, that's 175 coffee shops that I could open, if you're wondering, um, pretty easily if I got that money. And so I like, I like the lot. That's the point. My point is I like gambling, uh, and I think all of us do a little bit. Yeah. And there. Sermon's done. Um, but I think we all do, I think we all live this way in some capacity, right? Like, we all kind of like the idea that like, oh, maybe I'll pray to God and he'll get on board with my way and I just get everything I want. Like, we treat God like, like gambling, like the lotto. We're like, I'm going to pay my dues, go to church, then I'll pray and uh, God, will, God will bless me. He'll do what I want. Because honestly... <clears throat> Do we think of him as a good shepherd or like a cosmic uh, servant, butler, that's here to give us what we want? Most of us have decided exactly who we want to be, exactly how we want our lives to go, exactly what we want in our lives, and we've decided how to stay safe. And we talked about that in the worldview thing. And then we bring it before God and we say, if you can give me all these things, I would love to worship you. I love you because I have hope that you will, like, give me the life I've always wanted. That's not what Jesus is saying here. That's not the gospel. And, and no wonder we're all so anxious. I mean, we are desperately trying to get everything we want. We're desperately trying to find our own way. That makes sense that that would be anxiety-inducing to us. So John, 14 and, John 10, 14 and 15. Uh, 
This is the message I prefer. <laughs> I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I'll read again. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I think King David also had an idea of this before Jesus was born. Uh, in Psalm 27.4, David says, One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. That's not about him at all. That is his wish. That is his lotto. That's his gamble. If I could just get my way, it would be to dwell in the house of the Lord and gaze upon his beauty for the rest of my life. To inquire in his temple. Not mine. His. Because to be honest, I think he understood. We were never supposed to decide for ourselves what we believe who we follow, and we were definitely never meant to make our own spirituality, stew, forming our own religion as we go, medicating our illnesses <laughs> along the way. Like, we have an entire generation of people in Gen Z that just follow a 24-year-old influencer on TikTok because they think, oh, he or she has it figured out more than I do, and, and maybe they can help. That's insane. That's crazy. I'm going to jump back for a second. Earlier I said, what if there really was only one way? And what if that way is a person who loves you, who's infatuated with you, and who's absolutely obsessed with you? Um, I didn't look very hard to find this definition of obsession. It's actually the first thing that pops up when you Google it. To preoccupy or fill the mind of someone or God continually, intrusively, or to a troubling extent. I like that word preoccupation. It's like one of my favorite words. When I hear it in a worship song, I'm like, oh my gosh, love this worship song. Lex moved his backpack. Um, me and Lex, we carry the same backpack with us everywhere. We're, we're dogs, you know, just got the same ones. Uh, I don't know about Lex, but for my backpack, before I do anything, I just put a coffee mug in there. I'm like, praying that there's going to be coffee wherever I go. It's an act of faith. I'm like, put it in. It's the first thing that goes in, last thing that comes out. It's there before everything else. That's preoccupation. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for the analogy. That was weird, but that's what I'm saying. It's, it, that's preoccupation. Before anything else, he is concerned with you. You are the crown jewel of his whole creation, and he is desperately, he has done every. I mean, that's John 3.16, right? He has done everything he possibly can to get to you because he loves you because he's obsessed with you, because he is a really good shepherd. 
If you're wondering if I'm a heretic, uh, I'm just going to read Psalm 139. Sorry, that was a weird way to open the Bible. Um, Psalm 139, 17 through 19. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber grains of sand, and when I wake up, you are still with me. It's like, I like that one. Um, this mug is 12 ounces. It uh, holds really good coffee and really bad coffee. But if you were to fill it with sand, uh, it would hold two and a half million grains of sand in this one little mug. And we're talking about deserts, seas full of sand, shores full of sand. Like he is absolutely, like his thoughts about you outnumber the millions, billions, trillions grains of sand on the earth. Uh, I, th I think it's easy to hear and it's harder to know. And I think a lot of us live like we don't know that. I think if we actually lived like we understood this, like we felt it, like we knew it, our whole lives would be different. I'll give you a couple of examples. The first one being, we would tell everybody we know. Like, you can't receive that kind of love without loving him back. And you talk about the things you love. Like, how many times has Lex talked about Miller? How many times have I talked about coffee? How many times does Bree talk about singing? Like, or worship. Okay, singing, worship, whatever. Like, in general, throughout the week, you just talk about what you love. You just recommend good coffee shops to people that you like and bad ones to people you don't. Just kidding. Um, but yeah, like, I think some of us would be really relieved if I just said you don't have to talk about the greatest person to ever live and the savior of the world. Like, some of us would feel relief if that was our circumstance. But it's not. Because he loves you so much, and you can't receive it without loving him back. Like, it's the natural way. It's the natural response. There's no other option but to love him back. And when you love something, you talk about it. You do this already. What if you did it with Jesus? Second, second thing that would change if we lived like we knew this, I don't think we would ever be anxious again. I don't think we would ever be worried. I'll talk about that in a second, but like, um, who is it? This isn't my notes. I think it's Oswald Chambers who says uh, the suspicion or the the root of all evil is the suspicion that God is not good, and I think that's the root of anxiety too, right? Like we suspect that He doesn't love us as much as He says He does, as much as He proved He does. And the last thing, uh, if if we lived like we knew this, we would pray His voice, or <laughs> sorry, we would pray. And we would hear his voice often. Often. I think the New Testament and the way that Jesus kind of set up his whole departure from earth thing, 
he set it up in a way that like we were always made to hear the voice of God. We were always made to hear from him often. He left, he left his spirit with us. Uh, I'm paraphrasing Matthew 4 when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. Uh, we don't live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. And, and this is scripture, and he's talking about scripture. But I would also maybe suggest that he's talking about more than that. That when we hear from God, we live on that. Like, it sustains us because we need more guidance. We want to follow something. So, if this is true, if we should pray and hear his voice often, why don't we? I mean, it said, uh, in some other translations, uh, it says, I am the good shepherd. Uh, I know my sheep and my sheep know my voice. So, like, why don't we? Some of us, some of us, you're like, maybe you're just like, oh, I hear, I hear God every day. Okay. Feel free. <laughs> I think we actually bring a, a big list when we pray. I think, I think this is like a common thing. Um, we bring, like I said, we bring, this is how I want to live. This is what I want in life. This is who I want to be. I need you to make that happen. And then we don't accept the fact, we don't understand the fact that God might have his own intentions. He has his own will, his own agenda. He wants to talk to you. And then the second reason I think sometimes we don't hear his voice is because we live in a kingdom that is now and not yet. It is here and yet to come. It is at hand, not in hand, not here, but it's at hand. It's close, but it's not here. And it is here. And it's not here. Think about that. <laughs> sometimes we just have to wait in faith and in silence which is hard because we're young and uh, society gives us everything we want exactly when we want it. We live in a microwave society, but we're a part of a crockpot kingdom. Can't just nuke a chimichanga for God. <laughs> uh, put that on a t-shirt. He's looking for a pot stew. Slow. Crock pot meal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In this chilies. Um, earlier this month, I was walking my dog. My parents were out of town uh, visiting my sister for New Year's. And I had to walk my dog every day so that she didn't go crazy, which I really don't like walking my dog. Uh, and so I was already a little bit irritated, but I put on some worship music, you know, some cageless birds, just for fun. And then it kind of gets me like in the, in the mood to pray, you know? I mean, don't just pray when you're in the mood, but when you are, you should pray. Uh, and so I start praying, which mostly looks like, hey God, I've decided what I want in my life, who I want to be. And uh, I've decided exactly how to get there. So if you could just fill in the gaps for me, I would really appreciate it. I was actually complaining. Like, genuinely irritated I was walking my dog, first of all. And then it turned into, like, I don't like my room. 
I don't like my boss. Not here. Just kidding. <laughs> I don't like this. I don't like that about my life. Um, please change it. And do you ever feel like, you ever feel like a little nudge? Like I wasn't actually wanting to hear from God. I just wanted to complain to him. And then I felt this like nudge and I haven't felt it in probably a couple years. Like just this thing in my spirit that was like, hey, what if you just prayed like, say what you want? Like what if you just made some space? So like the good Christian I am, I did. I was like, Holy Spirit, come. You can say whatever you want. And then I'll, I'll tell you exactly how, how this went down. I said, Holy Spirit, come. You can say whatever you want. Okay, guess you don't have anything to say. Uh, I'm really upset about this, this, and this, and this. And at the time, I was making like some major life decisions. And I, I was genuinely concerned. I was saying, like, God, I want to know what you want for me. Like, tell me what to do. Like, I had expectations of what God was going to say. And it, was, it looked nothing like it. And so, like I said, I gave it maybe four seconds. And I start complaining again. And then two more minutes go by. And he doesn't even ask me to pray anymore. He just interrupts me in the middle of my complaining. And it was like I actually lost my breath. Like, I, w I was fine. I was just on a slow walk. But, like, I went, <laughs> like, I couldn't breathe. Like, he actually took the breath out of my lungs. It felt like I was punched in the stomach. And as I'm recovering from feeling like I just got punched in the stomach, he just says, you have no idea how much your faithfulness and obedience blesses me. I love you. I was like, I have things that I need from you. <laughs> you know, like, I have genuine problems and concerns and I do want to be faithful. It would be helpful if you could tell me what to do. And yet all I was left with was like, he's blessed by my faithfulness. I didn't get a clear answer on what to do. Like when God shows up, we expect him to say like, do this, move here, go there, stop doing that. No, he showed up and he just said, I love you and I'm proud of you. And I think he wants to say the same thing to you. Actually, for most of us, like, I don't know your story. I don't know where you're at. I don't know, like, what you're going through right now. I can guarantee God wants to say the same thing to every single person in the room, no matter the circumstance. And it's that he loves you and that he's with you. He wants to have these conversations with you. He wants you to hear it. I think the primary role of a father, both heavenly and earthly, is to tell their kids who they are, to instill identity into their kids. I think he has something more than just, I love you, although that would be a great thing to take away. I think he has something to say about all of your life, the whole thing, the parts you want him to see, the parts you hide from him, the parts that nobody else knows about, he wants to talk about it. He has something to say about it. And if you're worried about 
the idea that you're not worthy of hearing him, you haven't done enough. You, like, it doesn't make sense that you as a person would be able to hear him. I have good news for you. You're right. <laughs> you haven't done enough. You're not worthy. You're not smart enough to figure it out. I mean, if you want to go on like a YouTube spiral trail, just Google like sheeps falling in holes. <laughs> sheep are super stupid. Like him saying you're a sheep is a little bit of a slap on the face. <laughs> you can find a video of a sheep jumping in a hole. The shepherd pulls them out and then they jump right back in. They get lost all the time. <laughs> Despite what culture says, we will not make it without him. And so, like I was talking about the fake tolerance earlier, I would argue this is a way more tolerant view of life. It is one way. There is one God. There is one way to him. And yet he's inviting every single one of us to the table. Every single one of us gets to participate in this way of life. That's way more tolerant than, than this fake tolerance that like the world offers. Every single one of us. So I... That's, I mean, that's pretty much all I have. I, I want to make space for us to receive what I've been talking about. Um, so I'm going to have you pray a prayer. Um, and I want to bash an argument that you might already hear in your head uh, about why you shouldn't hear from God. Um, the Bible is complete and sufficient. But like I said earlier, we were always meant to hear the voice of God. We were always meant to stay in step with him, in relationship with him. We were always meant to be loved by him, to hear his voice. And uh, if you hear something, know this, he will never contradict the Bible. He's never, he's never going to go back on his word, what he's already said. But he is very comfortable contradicting your opinion or your interpretation of what the Bible says. And so if you find that you're like receiving a message, something along those lines, I would just encourage you to talk to like Lex or like a pastor, or like someone super smart so that you can figure that out, wrestle it out. So uh, I'm going to pray this prayer. We're not going to have music. We're not going to have distractions. Feel free to write it down. Feel free to not write it down. Um, I just want you to pray. Holy Spirit, Say whatever you want. I'm listening. Uh, so I'll say it one more time and then give some space. And then I'll close. Holy Spirit, come. We want to hear you. We want to know you. And we want to live like we know you. Lord, would you just make everything that we bring to the table, would you just, just push that away? Just have it all fall away. We just want to hear what you have to say. We're sorry for the times that we bring our own agenda, our own list. We're here with a blank paper saying, say whatever you want. I'm listening. 
Holy Spirit, come. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you are a good shepherd. That you do invite every single one of us to your way. Lord, we know we're not that smart. We're probably uh, a lot worse off than we even know. And yet you... Love us more than we could possibly dream or imagine. Lord, as we go on with our week, as we go on with our month, with the rest of our year, I just pray that we would each have little moments with you where you interrupt us where you wake us up. <laughs> we just want what you want. 
in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, that's it. But does anyone have anything they like really want to share? If not, that's okay too. <laughs>